0: are listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Today we're going to have recipes, all the recipes from allrecipes.com. We're going to start off with a shakshuka for one. This shakshuka is for one One of those days when you need a break from breakfast cereal and you crave something that will sustain you for most of the day while making you feel very happy and satisfied. By all means, serve this with bread so that you can mop up every bit of the tomato, pepper, and mushroom sauce along with the delicious, hopefully somewhat runny, yolk. The prep time is 10 minutes. The cook time is 10 minutes. Total time, 20 minutes, and it serves one The ingredients you'll need are 2 tablespoons of olive oil divided, 2 button mushrooms sliced, 1 quarter cup of sliced red onion, 1 half cup of sliced hot peppers and or sweet peppers, 1 quarter teaspoon of kosher salt or to taste, 1 half teaspoon of ground cumin, 1 half teaspoon of smoked paprika, 1 eighth teaspoon of ground turmeric, 1 eighth teaspoon of dried oregano, 1 teaspoon of ground black pepper, plus more to taste, 1 pinch of cayenne pepper, 1 half cup of tomato puree or sauce, 1 quarter cup of water or more as needed, 2 tablespoons of chopped fresh cilantro divided, and 2 tablespoons of crumbled feta cheese divided, 1 large egg and 1 pinch of Aleppo chili flakes, those are optional, and sliced bread to serve alongside. Step one, you're going to add one tablespoon of olive oil to a small pan or skillet. Next, you're going to place mushrooms in a single layer in the skillet and sprinkle with a pinch of salt. Top with onions, then peppers, and another pinch of salt. Next, you're going to place on medium-high heat and wait for the mushrooms to start sizzling. Cook until the bottoms of the mushroom are nicely brown. It'll be about three minutes And then stir everything together and cook for one minute more. Add your cumin, paprika, turmeric, oregano, black pepper, and cayenne and cook, stirring for another 30 to 60 seconds. Stir in tomato puree and water and wait for the mixture to simmer. Stir in cilantro and scatter over half the feta. Use a spoon to make a well in the center and transfer in the egg. Reduce the heat to medium-low, cover and cook the egg until it's done to your liking, about three to five minutes. You're going to serve immediately, topped with Aleppo chili flakes if you're using those, and the remaining olive oil, feta, and cilantro with bread on the side. Enjoy! Nutrition facts, it's 530 calories per serving, 38 grams of fat, 36 grams of carbs, and 16 grams of protein. Next recipe we have is for very fancy champagne chicken. This champagne chicken uses, you guessed it, champagne to turn ordinary skinless boneless chicken breasts into a truly amazing dish with a world-class mushroom pan sauce. These old-school type pan sauces are classic for a reason. The depth of flavor is impressive. The prep time for this, 10 minutes, cook time 40 minutes, with a total of 50 minutes, and it serves four. The ingredients you'll need are four skinless, boneless chicken breasts, two teaspoons of kosher salt, plus more as needed, two tablespoons of olive oil, freshly ground black pepper to taste, one pinch of cayenne pepper to taste, one or two tablespoons of unsalted butter, Two generous caps of thickly sliced mushrooms. Excuse me, two generous cups, not caps, cups of thickly sliced mushrooms. That's quite a bit more. One quarter cup of diced shallots. Three cloves of garlic minced. Four teaspoons of all-purpose flour. One and a half cups of champagne or any sparkling wine. One half teaspoon of tomato paste. Two teaspoons of fresh thyme leaves, one and one half cups of chicken broth, one half cup of heavy cream, one tablespoon of aged balsamic vinegar. That's optional. The directions: First, you're going to season the chicken with salt on both sides. Next, you're going to heat the olive oil over high heat in a nonstick pan large enough to hold the chicken breasts in a single layer and cook chicken on both sides until lightly browned three to four minutes aside while the first side is browning season the tops of the breast with black pepper and cayenne to taste once both sides are browned turn off the heat and transfer the chicken to a plate and reserve chicken can be transferred into the refrigerator until needed next you're going to melt the butter in the pan over medium-high heat and then add mushrooms and a pinch of salt to the pan and cook stirring occasionally until the mushrooms begin to brown. Stir in the shallots and garlic and cook stirring until the shallots turn translucent about three to five minutes. Sprinkle in the flour and cook stirring until the flour disappears and starts sticking to the bottom of the pan about one minute. Next you're going to pour in the champagne and use a spatula to scrape any caramelization off the bottom of the pan And let the mixture simmer until the champagne has reduced by about half and it has thickened enough that the trail left by the spatula dragged across the bottom of the pan takes a few seconds to fill in. So that equals about 5 to 10 minutes. Next step, you're going to stir in the tomato paste, the fresh thyme, and chicken broth and wait for the sauce to return to a simmer. Stir in the cream and let the sauce cook until reduced and thickened enough to coat a spoon about 10 minutes. Reduce the heat to low. Stir in the balsamic vinegar and return the reserved chicken to the pan. Finish cooking the chicken by simmering gently in the sauce, turning over and basting every few minutes until an instant read thermometer inserted near the center maintains a temperature of 150 degrees Fahrenheit for 3 to 4 minutes. The time it will take to complete cooking the chicken breasts will vary, but internal temperature is a sure guide to doneness. Taste for seasoning and serve the chicken immediately with sauce spooned over the top. This has 509 calories per serving, 28 grams of fat, 11 grams of carbs, and 41 grams of protein. We're going to have another chicken recipe just for fun. This is uh, peri-peri chicken. And I love peri-peri sauce. I have some in my fridge right now. This peri-peri chicken is made with my take on African peri-peri sauce using fresh and dried chilies. The marinade is incredibly flavorful and gives the chicken a beautiful color as well. Prep time, 30 minutes. Cook time, 45 minutes. This serves four. You should also marinate it. I'm just going to add this time in here because it's eight hours of marinating. So really the total time for this is nine hours and 15 minutes, including the marinate time. The most frustrating type of food wishes I get are the ones asking if I can make a specific dish from a specific restaurant. They usually start off with something like, I had the Chicken Fantasia at Pete's Eats in Salt Lake City and I loved it. Can you please show me how to make it? I'd email back something like, I'd love to, but since I've never been to Pete's Eats or Salt Lake City, except for a 30-minute bus stop in 1983, I can't. I want to, but unfortunately I can't. Sometimes just for fun, I'll yelp the restaurant to see what the dish looks like, since you can't have too many new ideas, but without experiencing it in its natural habitat, the chances of getting it close to what the food wisher was hoping for are slim. The point I'm taking a very long time making is that that's basically why it's taken me so long to do a peri-peri chicken recipe. I've never been to Nando's, and every single request I'd get for peri-peri chicken would include, just like they do it at Nando's. Happily, peri-peri is popular enough to be able to see many versions, so I eventually decided to not worry about doing a copycat, and instead just came up with my own formula based on these other sources. One of these days, I'll be in a town that has a and I'll give them a try. But for now, I love how this comes out, and I really do hope that you give it a try soon. The ingredients, you'll need six cloves of garlic, four red Fresno chili peppers, seeded, one habanero pepper, seeded, one-half cup of diced red bell pepper or other sweet pepper, one tablespoon of smoked paprika, one tablespoon of fresh thyme leaves, one and a half teaspoons of kosher salt, one teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper, one teaspoon of ground cayenne pepper, one teaspoon of white sugar, one half teaspoon of onion powder, one half cup of mild olive oil or vegetable oil, one third cup of sherry vinegar, two lemons, juiced, four chicken legs or thigh quarters, and kosher salt to taste to season the chicken. For the directions, you're gonna first combine the garlic, the Fresno chili peppers, the habanero pepper, the bell pepper, and smoked paprika, thyme, kosher salt, black pepper, cayenne pepper, sugar, and onion powder in a blender. You're gonna pour in olive oil, sherry vinegar, and lemon juice, and blend on high until the marinade is completely smooth. Next, you're going to pour three quarters of the marinade into a resealable plastic bag set in a bowl. Reserve the rest for serving on the side. Next, you're going to make three or four shallow cuts into the skin side of the chicken quarters. This will allow the sauce to penetrate the skin during marination. Season the chicken on both sides with kosher salt and transfer into the bag. Seal the top and toss and massage the chicken until all pieces are completely and evenly coated with a marinade. And then you can allow to marinate in the refrigerator for eight to up to 40, 24 hours. Next, you're gonna preheat an outdoor charcoal grill for medium heat and lightly oil the grate. Remove the chicken from the marinade after the eight to 24 hour period of marinating. And you're gonna set them skin side down onto the hot grill using indirect heat. Cover to keep the coals from getting too hot. Cook covered for about five minutes, and then turn them over and grill another 10 to 12 minutes. Keep turning the chicken pieces, brushing with reserved marinade as desired until they are cooked through. This can take up to one hour, depending on the grill temperature and the size of the chicken pieces. Step six, you're going to serve with the reserved sauce. Cook's note, this chicken can also be roasted in the oven at 375 degrees Fahrenheit. Roast in the preheated oven until chicken is no longer pink in the center. Then the meat is tender and the juices run clear. That'll take about 45 minutes. This is 501 calories per serving. Our next recipe is for Greek tomato feta fritters. Also known as, and I apologize to everyone who's Greek out there, Domato Keftethes. Not sure if that's right. (laughs) We're going to call them Greek tomato feta fritters. I am showing you my take on Domato Keftethes. These are incredibly delicious, versatile, and inexpensive. And they make a perfect summertime appetizer. You're going to serve with freshly squeezed lemon, tzatziki sauce, or just plain Greek yogurt, seasoned with raw minced garlic and lemon juice to taste. Prep time for this, 15 minutes, and the cook time, 5 minutes. Uh, The additional time is 45 minutes, and we'll get to that. So it takes a total of 1 hour and 5 minutes, yields 4 servings, and 18 fritters. There are so many great ways to enjoy fresh, sweet, summer tomatoes, and much to my shock and amazement, these Greek-style fritters could be my new favorite. This is a major surprise since I generally don't enjoy large, hot chunks of fresh tomato in a recipe. I'm okay with them being cooked down and disappearing into a sauce, but I find them texturally challenging when they remain intact unless they're inside a crispy herb and cheese-studded fried fritter. In that case, I can't get enough. The same basic idea can be used to enjoy pretty much any fresh or frozen vegetables that you like. Just make sure whatever you're mixing in will work with such a short cooking time. And if it won't, simply pre-cook it until tender and then proceed as shown. Above and beyond changing up the vegetable components, you can season and flavor these any way you want, so this recipe is a creative cook's dream. Having said all of that, these were amazing made as is, so maybe try these first and then add your own personal touches. But either way, I really hope you give these a try soon. The ingredients are 2 cups of diced fresh tomatoes with juices, one half cup of packed grated zucchini, onethird cup of sliced green onions, two teaspoons of kosher salt or to taste, one teaspoon of white sugar, one half teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper, one quarter teaspoon of dried oregano, one pinch of cayenne pepper, one quarter cup of chopped fresh Italian parsley, two tablespoons of chopped fresh mint, two tablespoons of chopped fresh basil, three ounces of feta cheese crumbled, three-quarter cup of all-purpose flour or more as needed, three-quarters teaspoon of baking powder, and vegetable oil for frying. The directions, first you're going to just gather all the ingredients, then next you're going to stir together the tomatoes, zucchini, green onions, kosher salt, sugar, black pepper, oregano, and cayenne in a bowl to combine. Let sit for 15 minutes for the sugar and salt to draw out the liquids from the vegetables. Step three, you're going to stir the tomato mixture and add parsley, mint, and basil. Crumble in feta cheese, add flour and baking powder, and mix with a spoon until combined. The batter should be relatively loose but will hold its shape on a spoon. If it's too loose, add more flour. If it's too dry, add some water until the desired consistency is reached. Wrap the bowl in plastic wrap and let chill in the refrigerator for at least 30 minutes. Step 4. You're going to heat one inch of vegetable oil in a frying pan over medium-high heat to 350 degrees. Uh, in Fahrenheit, and then you're going to use, you could use a deep fryer also. Step five, you're going to place heaping teaspoonfuls of batter into the hot oil and reduce the heat to medium. Fry until golden brown and cook through two to three minutes per side. Next, you're going to flip once more and fry for an additional 30 seconds if desired, and then serve warm or at room temperature. Chef's Notes Use an 1 to to quarter inch dice for the tomatoes. You can use any type of onion that you prefer. You can also add freshly chopped dill to this if you like. The batter can be chilled longer up to overnight, but if the mixture is too juicy after sitting, more flour might be needed. This ends up being 170 calories per serving. All right, final recipe. We're going to have uh, Chef, Chef John's Jollof Rice, J-O-L-L-O-F. Again, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but I think it's Jollof Rice. This is a foolproof recipe for cooking Jollof Rice, West Africa's most popular dish. I'd like to serve it as a side with my West African-style grilled beef, Suya, but it can also be a main course. Prep time 15 minutes, cook time 30 minutes, stand time 12 minutes. So the total time is 57 minutes, and it serves 8. The ingredients. First you're going to need some tomato sauce. Uh, So you're going to need for that tomato sauce one large ripe tomato, cored and quartered, one large red bell pepper, seeded and roughly chopped, one whole habanero pepper, stem removed, 1 whole Fresno chili or jalapeno, stem removed, 4 cloves of garlic peeled, 1 tablespoon of minced ginger, and 2 cups of water. For the rice, you'll need one third cup of olive oil, 1 red onion diced, 1 teaspoon of salt, plus more to taste, 1 quarter cup of tomato paste, 2 tablespoons of smoked paprika, 1 teaspoon of curry powder, 1 teaspoon of cumin, 1 teaspoon of dried thyme, 1 half teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper, and 1 quarter teaspoon of turmeric. 2 and 1 quarter cups of basmati rice, 1 bay leaf, and 1 tablespoon of chicken bouillon paste. 1 quarter cup of chopped green onion for garnish, this is optional, and 1 quarter cup of chopped cilantro for garnish, this is also optional. For the directions, first we're going to combine the tomato, red bell pepper, habanero pepper, Fresno chili, garlic, ginger, and water in a blender for the sauce. Blend on high until smooth and set aside. Next you're going to heat the olive oil in a saucepan over medium heat. Add the onion and salt and saute until the onion starts to soften about four to five minutes. Clear space in the middle of the pan, add tomato paste, and saute for two to three minutes. Season with paprika, curry powder, cumin, thyme, pepper, and turmeric, and continue cooking for one to two minutes until everything is well combined. Step three you're going to turn off the heat and stir in the rice, making sure every grain of rice is coated with the oil tomato mixture. Add bay leaf and chicken bouillon paste. Step four, you're going to turn the heat to high and stir in the tomato sauce and bring to a vigorous simmer. Cover with a tight-fitting lid, reduce the heat to medium-low, and simmer for 20 minutes. Do not remove the lid or stir the rice. Next, you're going to turn off the heat after 20 minutes and set the timer for 12 minutes. Allow rice to sit and do not remove the lid. After the 12 minutes are up, you're going to remove the lid and fluff the rice with a fork separating all the grains, and serve garnished with green onions and chopped cilantro. Cook's note, if the rice seems to be a little undercooked at this point, stop fluffing. Pat the rice down gently with the back of the fork, cover tightly again, and set the heat to medium-low. Cook for another five minutes, and then check again. And there's an associated recipe to this, this West African grilled beef, the suya, at allrecipes.com. And this meal has a 174 calories per serving. For our final bonus recipe, this one's from smittenkitchen.com for ethereal smooth hummus. For as long as I've written this website, yes, even longer than it has been since I told you that the wee white lie that Paula Wolfert's hummus was all I'd ever need, I have known how to make the most ethereally smooth, fluffy dolloping of a hummus and I never told you. I have some nerve, but in my defense, I had my reasons. Mostly that I knew if I told you how to make it, I'd be able to hear your eye rolls through the screen. They'd be at once so dramatic and in unison. From there, there would be the loud, synchronized clicks of unfollow, unfriend, hide these updates, please. And under the underbreath mutters of Lady, you got to be kidding me. Because you see the path between the probably acceptable, vaguely grainy, but borderline good enough hummus that you probably have been making, and the stuff that I dream about sweeping cold sweet carrot sticks through, the January version of fresh strawberries and whipped cream, has only one extra stop, but most of you will argue that it's at Cuckoo Farm. You see, you must peel the chickpeas. Chickpeas, when they're cooked, have a thin skin that sags a bit, kind of like a Sharpay's, but less cute. It hangs about them like they're trying hard to shake it, but they just couldn't. I have found that if you help them, you put a single chickpea between your thumb and your next two fingers and gently press until it pops out with a rather satisfying soft pop, then plink into a bowl, it makes all the difference in the texture of your final hummus. But I theorize that no sane person would ever spend their time ejecting chickpeas from their skins. Because it would be such an arduous task, even reorganizing bookcases, which we did last night, would be preferable. Yet, when I cautiously asked you last week if you'd want to hear about a new hummus technique, so many of you said, yes, please. I figured it was time to make peace with this technique once and for all. It only took me nine minutes, and I've wasted nine minutes doing a lot of other things, and this makes it so worth it. you got to give it a try. What this nine minutes buys you is a world of difference. Hummus that is as far from the grainy beige beleaguered paste of a lot of recipes that have led me to it as far as I can be. All pillows and plumes of the softest chickpea, tahini, lemon, garlic puree. I hope it makes a convert out of you, too. Here's the recipe. Ethereally smooth hummus. This is probably where you expect me to give you a soapbox speech about why it's so important that you soak your own chickpeas. And you know, I think they taste wonderful, especially if you treat yourself to some of the best. But I also make it with canned chickpeas quite often. Goya is my favorite for perfectly cooked, intact canned beans each time, and it's perfectly excellent. Below, I've included instructions for both. This makes one and three quarters cups of hummus. One and three quarters cups of cooked drained chickpeas from a fifteen ounce can or a little shy of two thirds cup of dried chickpeas for the same yield. One half teaspoon of baking soda for the dried chickpeas only, one half cup of tahini paste, two tablespoons of freshly squeezed lemon juice or more to taste, two small cloves of garlic roughly chopped, three quarters teaspoon of table salt or more to taste approximately 1 quarter cup of water or reserved chickpea cooking water, olive oil, paprika or sumac, pita wedges brushed with olive oil and sprinkled with za'atar or a combination of sesame seeds and sea salt, and or carrot sticks, this is optional, to serve. If you're using dried chickpeas, there are multiple methods to cooking them and you can use whichever is your favorite, or Odalengis or mine. Otolengis is to put the chickpeas in a large bowl and cover them with at least twice their volume of cold water, leaving them to soak overnight. The next day, you drain them and sauté them in a medium saucepan with the baking soda, which many find reduces the gassy effects of fresh beans, for about three minutes. Add three and a quarter cups of water and bring it to a boil and skim any foam that floats to the surface. They'll need to cook for 20 to 40 minutes, sometimes even longer, depending on freshness, to become tender. When tender, one will break up easily between your thumb and forefinger. My method is similar, but I often put mine in a slow cooker on a high with the baking soda for approximately three hours so that I don't have to monitor them as much. You're going to drain the chickpeas and save the chickpea broth for soups or to thin the hummus if needed and cool enough that you can pick one up without burning your fingers. Whether you're using fresh or canned chickpeas, you're going to peel your chickpeas. I find this is easiest when you take a chickpea between your thumb and next two fingers, arranging the pointy end in towards your palm, and pop the naked chickpea out. Discard the skin. I get into a rhythm, and I rather enjoy this, but it's also already established that I'm a weirdo. In a food processor, you're going to blend the chickpeas until powdery clumps form a full minute, scraping down the sides. Add the tahini, the lemon juice, garlic, and salt, and blend until pureed. With the machine running, drizzle in water or reserve chickpea cooking water one tablespoon at a time until you get very smooth, light, and creamy mixture. I find I need about four tablespoons for this volume but you may need slightly more or less taste and adjust the seasonings adding more salt or lemon if needed I do recommend that you hold off on adding more garlic just yet I find that it blooms as it settles in the fridge overnight becoming much more garlicky after a rest so that even if it doesn't seem like it enough at first it likely will be garlicky enough in the long run Transfer the hummus to a bowl and rest it in the fridge for at least 30 minutes, longer if you can. To serve, drizzle it with a little olive oil and sprinkle it with paprika. Serve it with pita wedges or carrot sticks. Yum. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling... 303-786-7777. Three zero three seven eight six seven 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 seven.